If you're lucky, you listen to them talk. They're on their way up and they can't stop. For all things great iron and hard top, it's Kevlu and Ski since the sandbox. What's going on since the Sandbox fans? Welcome back to the Sandbox and we are here with our week 12 impressions. But guys, this is a very special episode. We are reporting to you together in person, me, Lou, and Kev. So just want to say we're thankful for that opportunity, but you guys will learn more about that at a different time. First, with the week 12 impressions, guys, let's tackle our Thanksgiving games. And what a, a crap show of these these games um, on Thursday. I mean, the Lions looked horrible. The Texans looked horrible. Redskins, Cowboys looked horrible. But it was a winner. It was a loser. Um, and there was a lot in between. But Matt Patricia and Robert Quinn, the head coach and general manager for the Lions, did get canned after this poor performance. Is there a future in Detroit for Matt Stafford, though, guys, with, with those two guys out? Absolutely not. None. There's none. It's just we've seen it over and over again. Uh, they're not going to beat the Packers. They barely beat the Vikings. The Bears give them a tough time. They all have better defenses than them, all better young cores. Uh, besides on offense, I think they're probably the third best offense and I just think he has to get out of there. I mean, it's just a losing city, losing team. Com- needs a complete rebuild. Like, how many how many times have we seen a guy like Stafford go through a coach, a GM, multiple times, and then succeed in the end at that age? I think Lou's right. I don't think Stafford is going to last very long in Detroit, especially after the firing of those two. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Stafford's not getting any younger, and he's such a good talent. And year in and year out, I mean, besides with the exception of maybe Calvin Johnson, like who really has that team gotten him that can really make them a contender? Like Lou said, the other three teams in those divisions are just better. I mean, they're better offensively, they're better defensively, and the quarterback play is arguably better as well. So, I mean, I really don't see it there. I think his time there is going to be done after the season, maybe even before. The matter is, where is he going to go? And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the market right now looking for a quarterback and a guy like Stafford. So could be could be a crazy offseason for Matt Stafford. Yeah, and I feel like if we take it to an organization perspective, I mean, they're probably, you know, the, the worst organization out of, out of those four franchises. I mean, the Vikings probably haven't done anything either, but they've never been to the point where they were just as low as the Lions. I personally think that Matt Stafford still has a lot of football left in him, but if it's in Detroit... That I'm not sure of. Um, they just they have too many questions to answer I- I- as far as a team, as far as an organization, and you don't want an aging quarterback at, at the top of all that. But to move to a different game on Thanksgiving, guys, the Redskins are now tied for first in the NFC East. And just taking it to a fantasy perspective, how do we feel about Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, and uh, Logan Thomas going forward for fantasy? I mean, I feel like McLaurin is someone that, that you've already had trust in, but feel like Gibson's did enough to, you know, maybe show show his worth at this point. Yeah, as long as Alex Smith is back there, I love them all. Uh, they have a, a bad division to start with. Decent schedule. Uh, the O-line's not terrible. The defense does get turnovers, so they do get a lot of red zone opportunities. I mean, I love it. Uh, Alex Smith is a good game manager with young pieces. McLaren is, is good for like nine points a game minimum. And then you have uh, McKissick, who can even be a flex guy some weeks. But Gibson is just kind of taken over as the number one and, and obviously in there as a rookie of the year talk. Yeah, I mean, I like the Redskins players going forward, especially the two you mentioned, Steve McLaren and Gibson. I mean, those are guys, McLaren's, you know, 
pretty much at this point a solidified wide receiver two for fantasy, you know what I mean? And Gibson, you could say the same, maybe running back two or even flex. So those are two solidified fantasy starters week in and week out for the Redskins. And then you throw in guys like Logan Thomas who can be spot starts here and there and just different guys. Like Lou said, McKissick can be a flex, you know, a couple weeks depending on the defensive matchup they're playing. So definitely like the Redskins going forward. I think fantasy-wise they probably have maybe the – most relevant players going forward. I mean, besides the Cowboys, you got Zeke and Amari Cooper, maybe C.D. Lamb, I mean, Gallup, but I feel like the Redskins, I mean, McLaurin and Gibson, really, I think, in that division are going to be some of the top fantasy players you're going to get. No, they definitely will, and it's going to be interesting to see how that falls out with the Redskins and Giants. Daniel Jones holding his hammy this week, but we did take the division, and we'll save that for later. Because first, I want to talk about the Falcons, giving the Raiders the straight business. And the Raiders are a team that I talk about as a playoff team, you know what I mean? I think that they're, they're one of those teams that are going to get in around the 5, 6, or 7 seed just based off a of record. But they were 6-4 and four at this point last year and lost 5 straight. So I'm thinking the Raiders might be a phony. Lou? I smell fool's gold. Uh, just because, I mean, usually teams rebound after big losses, but it seems like they blew their load, on, you know what I mean, versus Kansas City. They gave it all they had. Uh, there's the division for them. You yeah. know, now they have to push for a wild card. There's not really a ton of light at the end of the tunnel. You have to go against the Colts. You have to compete with the Ravens for the spot, Cleveland. So I'm not buying it completely. And the Falcons are a good, bad team, I guess, as far as that goes, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, it, they have a good offense. The defense is terrible. But I don't know. I like Derek Carr. I just think it's all on the rest of the team to – kind of show up, you know what I mean? Like, when you when you lay six points against one of the worst teams, like, on the planet defensively, it's just it's just not a good look after you competed with the f- defending champions. It almost won, so. Yeah. Yeah, they just, uh, they blew it all in that week. No, I hear you. You were smelling fool's gold. I thought I was smelling Kev's breath now that we're back in person. <laughs> no, he <so>. fought it. <laughs> it is what it is. It. I had a big lunch, but, no, I mean, as far as the Raiders, I'm not sure if it's a matter of fraud or if it's just a matter of our high expectations for them. I mean, if you think about it and you really go through that Raiders roster, I mean, they're an, really an average football team at best. Like, no part of their team, like their offense, their defense, their special teams, is really one of those teams that, like, jump out to you. You know what I mean? Maybe specific players like a Josh Jacobs or, you know, a Darren Waller we know is one of the top tight ends. But as a whole, I mean, their defense isn't anything great. It's not horrible, but it's not great. And their offense, again, isn't anything horrible, but it's not anything great. So I feel like there's a lot of, not hype, but just high expectations when it comes to the Raiders. And I feel like maybe there shouldn't be anymore because Derek Carr is good, you know, slightly above average, can have big games, but he's not going to be a guy, you know, week in and week out like a Mahomes or a top guy like that that's going to go out and throw for 250, 300-plus yards every week and two, three touchdowns. You know what I mean? It's just not going to happen. It's just so crazy that they can, like, compete with a team like the Chiefs for four quarters both games in the season. I know it's a division game, but then you see them play the way that they do against Atlanta. But another team that's very inconsistent in their gameplay, we talked about this already, guys, the Pats. They won by a game-winning field goal versus Arizona at home. And I don't know if we should feel more about about the Patriots taking the win on this one or maybe we should start shifting our, our thoughts and perspective about the Cardinals because two weeks ago when they beat Seattle, we were talking about the Cardinals as a top-10 team. Now... I don't know if we can still talk about the Cardinals as a top 10 team. And we have, uh, since the Sandbox Power Rankings coming up uh, this week, so you guys definitely got to tune into those. But, you know, I, I definitely think that, that this speaks more about the Cardinals, who they are as a whole, than the Pats. 
I'm going to go with it. It speaks more to the Pats. Just on the defensive side, I mean, if it's literally proven if they're going to win games, it's going to be because the defense holds the team. They're playing to under 20-something points. They get multiple turnovers, and then they, they squeak by on field goals or they're going to run in the ball. I mean, when your quarterback goes, like, what, like 7 for – or, like, 9 for 18 and then has, like, 110 yards and two picks, it's like – what are you going to do? Like, the QB play is not there. It hasn't been there all season. I just think Arizona on the road with a banged-up Kyla uh, versus a, a coach like Belichick who's great versus young QBs. I just th- I don't know. I like the Pats in the game to begin with just because of the defense and Bill. But uh, I don't know, man. I just – the Pats have a shot to the playoffs, man, but they have a, a top-five worst QB on the planet. So Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's so funny if you think about the culture that – Bill has built in New England. I mean, we're talking about a Pats team, right? That obviously no Tom Brady and no fans, yet teams still come into Gillette this season and just don't play like themselves. And it's honestly crazy that, you know, Gillette as an atmosphere has just come to that because, like I said, no fans, nothing. And the Cardinals still came in and kind of seemed like they were a little rattled. I know Lou touched upon, you know, Kyler being a little banged up, and we definitely saw that early in the game, which I think definitely affected their offense early in the game. But as far as the Pats, I mean, yeah, they have a role to the playoffs. I'm going to be the first one to tell you it ain't going to happen. We're going to come to a time where Cam's going to have to have a big drive and he's going to throw a pick or fumble. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. This week, as soon as he got that drive, um, the second last one before the field goal, I was like, yeah, this dude's going to do something. It, something's coming to pick something. Uh, it's just been it's been too many times now throughout the season that we've seen that. So I don't think the Pats are going to make the playoffs. But I think the Cardinals is just a matter of, you know, getting Kyler healthy. I mean, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. And if they do, I think, you know, they can make a little bit of noise because you have Kyler, you have arguably the best receiver on the planet. So it's going to be interesting, but they're another team, the Cardinals, that we said with the Raiders. I think they just tend to play down to the level of their competition. I mean, we've seen some close games now with teams that really shouldn't be close, you know what I mean, when it comes to the Cardinals roster. So I think it's just things like that that they got to clean up. No, they definitely do, and they're, they're still young. I mean, Kyle Murray's, what, his second year? Cliff Kingsbury, his second year as a head coach, uh, at least in the NFL. So that's a team that's growing for the future. I definitely think, you know, the Cardinals, whenever they're losing, they don't end up feeding DeAndre Hopkins enough, and you don't know if, if you want to credit Stephon Gilmore to a little bit of that coverage or you want to, you know, shift some blame on that. But let's shift to the Tennessee and Indy game, guys, and these two teams split the series this year. Both these teams have the same record. Who do we think is going to take the division? And, Lou, you know I'm coming to you first. Right now, I want to say the Colts just because played Texans twice. You should beat them twice. You should lose to Pittsburgh. Then you have to play the Raiders, who we just established we believe are frauds, and then play Jacksonville. My biggest thing with it is who's going to be on the COVID list, who's not. You know what I mean? You clearly saw they missed Danico Autry and uh, DeForest Buckner this week, you know, and then they had no Jonathan Taylor. I mean, the fact that they still made it close to a one-score game gives me some hope, but I really think it's just going to come down to execution, who's healthy and who's not. If if the Titans lose a ton of guys and they can't run the football consistently and they have a lot of lapses on the offensive side, I think the Colts can take it, but have to be consistent. I mean, the offenses look good. Phillip Rivers still hasn't been touched. I'm still hopeful, baby. We'll still be in the playoffs. Don't worry about it, Kev. Don't worry about it. I took the mantle of the winning franchise, and it's just going to go. <laughs> First of all, if there's any winning franchise at this table, it's my franchise. And maybe 20 years ago. Hey, it's, it is what it is. But, uh, no, I mean, it, 
I know I'm taking the easy way out here, but I really it's too it. I really can't tell you who's going to win that division. I mean, I think out of all the divisions, besides maybe the horrible NFC East, this is going to be the tightest to see who's going to come on come out on top. Like Lou said, I mean, Indy probably has the more favorable schedule, but I mean, we've seen Tennessee last season play good, you know, in those last few weeks and into the playoffs. So definitely could see them getting you know hot right around playoff time too. So really too early to tell, but just because I want to annoy Lou, I'm just going to lock in Tennessee just for <laughs> just for laughs. But Damn, Lou, it's all good. And everything he said this year has been mush. So I'll take <laughs> it, dude. I'll take it. Please, give me that good comma. Instead of West Coast Kev, it's Kevin Mush. Yeah. <laughs> but guys, let's talk, to, let's talk about a team that is not mush. And that's the New York Giants, baby. Take your first place in that NFC least, as Kev would joke. Haven't heard that one before, Kev. But, yeah, the Giants are tied with the Redskins for the top of the division as long as Seattle handles business tonight as they should and beats the Eagles. Uh, the Giants are looking good, but I am seriously concerned over Daniel Jones' hamstring. Our defense is solid, but I definitely think that down the stretch we're going to have to win some more games if we want to make a playoff push. We want to be considered, you know, I don't want to say legit because we're not a contender, but just be viewed as a playoff team and, we're going to have to pull an upset versus Arizona or the Browns later in the season for us to get to a 6-10 and or 7-9 and record. And, yes, that's crazy that that 6-10 and or 7-9 record will make the playoffs. But, you know, that's what it is in the NFC East. And I know that we're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys in Week 17, but do you guys think the Giants can beat the Browns or the Cardinals? I think they could definitely beat the Browns. Uh, it's all on the old line with me for the Giants. If they get protect, that's it. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have a good pass rush, and they don't really move the football. Uh, I think in the last three weeks, they've had one game above 20-plus points, and that was versus the Jaguars with, uh, I think, a third-string dude. Wasn't Mike Lennon the quarterback for for the Jags? Like, come on now. Like, let's be honest. I think they could beat the Browns. I think that's big-time fool's goal right there. I I don't think the Browns... uh, if they make it to the playoffs, they're going to get absolutely embarrassed. Yeah, I think they'll annihilate the Browns, honestly, especially if it comes to a situation where, like, that's their road to winning the division, the Giants, then they're going to come. Because we know how bad the Browns are. I mean, I don't care if they're 8-3 and three or not there. You want to talk about a fraud team? Let's <laughs> talk about the Cleveland Browns and not the Las Vegas Raiders. But so, so who's more frauds between the Browns and the Raiders? Oh, the Browns, 100%. I'll go Raiders. 100%. Better like I said, like I said, yeah. I think the Browns have a better personnel, no? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Browns have a better personnel, right, so the Raiders are frauds. Well, that's well, that goes back to my thing about the Raiders just being overhyped as opposed to fraud. I don't think they're fraud. I think the Browns are fraud because they have a top, arguably a top five roster in the league as far as talent-wise, and they stink every year. I mean, they're 8-3. and three. <laughs> Guys, I, I definitely think that they're both frauds. If I had to say that one team was more of a fraud... I have to say that the Raiders are more frauds. And the reason why is just because, you know, the the Browns do have a great running game. They have a solid defense, and I would say that their running game and solid defense is better than the Raiders' solid game and running defense. But the Raiders have the better quarterback play. I don't think anyone's going to debate with that. I mean, Derek Carr does look better. Uh, World's better than Baker Mayfield right now. So I, I know it's tough that we're not picking the better quarterback here, but that's that's exactly why I'm saying uh, what I say. But, guys, let's shift games, and let's go to this Minnesota game. No deal and no problem. Minnesota wins the game in the fourth quarter. Do you guys think that Minnesota can still string together a playoff chance with the Bears being this bad and just seeing how some of the bottom teams the NFC may work? Do you think Minnesota can sneak in? No, just because the, the NFC West is so good. I, I don't see them... 
passing up the Cardinals, the Rams, or Seattle if they were to drop. Uh, it's not even that. I, I think we've seen when they play good teams, they're just awful. Just awful. So, uh, I mean, they this this was honestly probably a game this week of the two best bad teams. And I, I liked Carolina, but Vikings pulled it out, man. Uh, we'll see. I, it'd be cool if they made it, but it, it'd just be, again, same thing as last year. Maybe win a game, go out. So, I hope they don't make it, personally. Yeah, I mean, I guess anything could happen, so I'm not going to say they couldn't. But like Lou said, I, I feel like there's just so many other teams that are fighting for that one, you know, what is it, three, the three wild card spots in the NFC that... I don't think any of the teams coming behind Green Bay are going to, you know, end up clinching one of those wild card spots. At least I don't see it, but who no, knows? The, the NFC is loaded, you know what I mean? So it, so it's definitely tough, and it's crazy. Chicago was a team that was at 1.5-0, and, and and now they're even, you know what I mean? They, they're 500, uh, so that's definitely tough for them. But, guys, to a team that's feeling pretty comfortable right now, the Buffalo Bills and. I think that me and Lou at least predicted this before the season. Kev, you might have predicted some some crazy Miami talk, but Miami's not too bad right now. Bills feeling comfortable at eight and three. How do we feel about them taking the division? We think that game lead is enough for them to say that the AFC's locked and loaded with the Bills, or do we think Miami could still give them a run for their money? It's sad to say, I'm more worried about the Pats than than anything, just because I think the Pats have the easiest schedule out of them all. The Bills have a lot of tough games coming up, specifically the Steelers. That's going to be tough, and I think they have one more tough game on the road. I think they play the Niners on the road, which is which is going to be a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say 80% sure they win it. I think the Pats could take it if if they tie with them and, and win the tiebreaker. So uh, I'm going to say 80%. I like the Bills. They look good. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bills just because I know the Pats do have the easiest schedule lose, right? But like I said about Cam earlier, I do think there's going to be a hiccup, and we're going to drop one of those games that we can't afford to drop. And – with the Bills already having eight wins, I don't see the Pats really getting to eight wins. Uh, I see them finishing around seven and nine, something like that. So I think they will just miss it, but I think they are a threat for the wild card spot, the Pats, definitely. I mean, like Lou said, is talk about the Dolphins, but if the Pats have a road to the playoffs and Bill smells blood in the water when it comes to the Dolphins or even the Bills, then they're going to they're gonna end up getting one of those wild card spots somehow. But, yeah, I mean, definitely Bills lock in the division. I mean, I don't even think it's close. I think they're going to end up with... At least nine or ten wins. Yeah, they definitely can. They do have a tough rest of the season. And I'll talk about that a little bit in our fantasy episode and our power rankings to expand upon that. But guys, a must talk about game: Kansas City versus Tampa Bay. And Kansas City, I mean, their offense looks really good against a defense that I would say is pretty competitive in the league. And the fact that Tampa Bay only lost by a couple of points, I mean, I feel like that goes to show some resiliency on their part. So I, I think everyone is is on the same page as far as things go with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. I mean, best in the NFL. I mean, my favorite for the MVP to this point. But how do we feel about the Bucs? I mean, I personally think the Bucs can be the best team in the wild card, depending on what wild card team makes it out of the NFC. And I think that this could be a matchup that we see again this year. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it was somewhat beneficial because you would think Brady throws two picks, one bad one not so bad. They didn't run the ball at all, really. They ran five play-action plays the whole game. Like, how are you going to expect to compare to the best offense in the league that ran 17 play-actions on you with five on the other side, and you have a QB that can't move, so it's obviously a pass. Um, I think they look good. My biggest worry is the defense. I mean, their corners aren't great. I think we, we've seen that. I, I don't know why, as, as a coaching staff, you don't make an adjustment. Tyreek Hill puts up 
100 yards in, in five minutes, and then you don't change change up the coverage, you don't change the scheme, the man on them, double them. Nope, just let them go for another 100 yards that same quarter. That's okay. I think it's all in the coaching staff. If they adjust, they'll be a good top five team in the league, but if they don't, a lot of tension, a lot of arguing in the building, a lot of egos, a lot of talent, and we could see it go to waste. Yeah, that's a good point by Lou. I Bucks are tough because I'm a, you guys know I'm a huge Brady fan, Pats fan, Brady fan. And I just don't know if Brady has it anymore. Like I know that's crazy to say and I'm not saying that just because he's not on the Pats, but we've seen like a lot of his success especially in the playoffs is due to, you know, Bill Belichick and even Josh McDaniels, and I'm not even a Josh McDaniels fan. So coaching does come into it, and I'm not saying Bruce Arians is a bad coach, but I'm just saying, I mean, when it came to playoff time, Brady and Belichick were always on the same page, and they were always had tricks up their sleeves, which I don't know if Bruce Arians and him have that chemistry yet, and we know, I mean, any of us can attest, any football fan can attest, I mean, playoff football is just different. It doesn't matter how good you are in the regular season. You have to come play in the playoffs. So could definitely see some... Bumps in the road for the Bucks as far as, you know, late in the season or slash playoff time. But like you said, Steve, they're going to make the wild card and they're probably going to be the best wild card team among the three. So anything could happen. That's fair to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it really is. And when you look at those NFC West teams, I would even attest that, that the Bucks have a better defense than, you know what I mean, depending on what, what team makes it. If the Rams take the division. Obviously, that's a toss-up, but I feel like defense is important when it comes down to that stretch. And a, and a team that usually has a good defense that you know just didn't look good in a division game on Sunday night was Chicago. They didn't look good, guys. And Green Bay, you know, they really handled handled business. And I'm just expecting that to continue. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the Bears players. It's like you have one guy starting one week, like the guy goes three and zero, bench him. The other guy goes one and three, he gets hurt supposedly you bring in the next guy and then Mitch looks like to try to prove himself. I didn't even think he looked terrible. I mean, one of the picks he was just trying to throw a prove, a, a prove me ball, you know what I mean? It was deep into the end zone trying to come back early. Uh, and then the fumbles, he recovered one of them. It's just like, man, you can't protect the QB. You got away from the run after Dave Montgomery had his longest run in his career of 50-something <laughs> yards. So it's all on Matt Nagy, man. It's just... It's sad. It's sad to see they, they look so good a couple of years ago, and it's just all gone to waste. The craziest thing about the Bears, too, is I feel like they say, like, oh, defense wins championships, and they definitely have the defense, too, but offense has to come into play at some point, right? And it doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you don't have at least a complementary offense, then you're not going to win many games, and I think that's what we're seeing with the Bears, like Lou mentioned, the lack of the successful quarterback play, just the lack of even receivers. I mean, Allen Robinson's a great receiver, but besides him, who really do they have? You know what I mean? I mean, Miller, Cohen's are injured. They got Montgomery. Again, not a, really a top 10 back consistently. What happened to Jimmy so. Graham, Kev? Jimmy Graham, please. <laughs> Giving up on him. Eric Ebron's the new sheriff in town on my fantasy team. Ah, Bears. <laughs> But, guys, that's going to wrap things up for our Week 12 impressions. This was an awesome episode getting back in person. I uh, definitely enjoy the feel, and I hope you guys do too. But to get you guys caught up with all things since the Sandbox, we are announcing our toy drive tomorrow, December 1st. Uh, we did so much for our community over Thanksgiving with our community can drive, getting 1,200 cans. So now we set a goal of raising 600 toys to give back to the East D community. Pledge your donations on sincethesandbox.net. If you guys have any questions about that, let us know. Send us a message. That's going to wrap things up, guys. Five stars and five stars only. Peace out.